This is the Flying Field Podcast. Flying Field Podcast is a service of rcplaneviews.com and the Flying Field blog. This is episode 108, Expo Adventures, Part 1. This episode was produced the week of January 15th, 2012. Hello, modelers, and welcome to this edition of the Flying Field Podcast. I'm Jim Mohan. The title of this episode is Expo Adventures, Part 1. As I mentioned the last episode, I was planning to go to the AMA Expo in Ontario, California. That has now happened, and it's time to report back on some of what went on. You may have also noticed that the new year comes with some new musical themes for the podcast. You know, out with the old and in with the new. I was able to chat with several folks while at the Expo, and those interviews will make up the body of the next several episodes. In this episode and the next, we'll be chatting with AMA District 10 Vice President Lawrence Tugas. Beginning with our next episode, we'll also be reviewing some trade show floor conversations that I had with representatives from Horizon Hobby, High Tech, and Banana Hobby. I hope you'll take time to hear what those folks had to say about their companies and product plans for 2012. Let's start with a little overview of the expo trip. My wife and I left Phoenix on Thursday morning for the about five and a half hour trip to Ontario, which is on the east end of the greater Los Angeles area. We checked into our hotel, which was the La Quinta Inn, located about two minutes from the Ontario Mills Outlet Mall and five minutes from the Ontario Convention Center, which was the home for the expo. Not counting the taxes, the room averaged less than 60 bucks per night, which was very reasonable. Thursday afternoon was reserved for the mall. The expo didn't open until noon on Friday, so we drove about 20 minutes south and west of our hotel to the Chino Airport, which is home of the Plains of Fame Museum. The museum had several hangars filled with a variety of airplanes. Most of their airplanes can and do fly, so some were in maintenance status which gave us the opportunity to peek under the skin of some of these historic planes. I was a little disappointed in that the hangar that held a couple of the airplanes that I wanted to see up close was roped off. We could peer in through the open door, but it wasn't the same as standing beside the planes. Outside were several combat jets in various stages of disrepair waiting for their turn at refurbishment. The museum proved a great way to spend a couple of hours waiting for the expo to open. Several of the models we came across at the expo we had just seen in their full-scale glory, so that was pretty cool. When we arrived at the convention center shortly after noon, there was a long line of modelers waiting to buy tickets. We chatted with a couple of folks at the end of the line and decided to see if the will call booth had a separate line as we'd purchased advance tickets online. Fortunately, it did, and it was empty. We stepped right up and were inside in a jiffy. Note to self, get advance tickets. 
At breakfast at the hotel earlier, we chatted with a couple of modelers who were regulars at the expo. One of them said each time he came, he was overwhelmed with the number of vendors, displays, and RC products. He wasn't lying. Wow! If you needed something for RC aviation, you could find it here, or at least find someone who could talk with you about it. It was just amazing. More about the inside of the expo in our next episode. As I mentioned in the intro, we chatted with AMA District 10 Vice President Lawrence Tugas. Lawrence was gracious enough to reserve some time for me in a relatively quiet corner of the expo to chat a little about him, the AMA, and his role as Vice President. We'll continue the interview next time, finishing up with the part of the conversation about the notice of proposed rulemaking for the small unmanned aircraft systems. That is the formal name for the FAA's intent to regulate model aviation. Let's get started with the interview. Okay, we're here at the uh, AMA Expo and I'm with uh, District 10 Vice President uh, Lawrence Tugas and uh, just going to chat a little bit about a little bit about modeling. So, tell me what motivated you to to serve the AMA in the role of an elected vice president role? Well, uh, first, Jim, thank you for having me on oh, your podcast. Thank you. That's thank quite you. an honor. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I've been a modeler for a long time. I uh, started modeling with my father in 1968. Uh, I really have uh, taken part in all, I wouldn't say maybe all, but many disciplines of our sport. I've uh, uh, originally built uh, stick and tissue uh, free flight models, rubber powered free flight models and transitioned to control line flying when I had uh, half A models and little larger models, uh, 19 size uh, control line models. As a child my father he was uh, RC modeler so I got to do that with him and at one point uh, was able to afford my own uh, radio control models and uh, started to uh, to really make that the focus of, of what I do, I, I get a lot of uh, enjoyment from all aspects of our, our sport, but uh, that's really the focus that I have now. And uh, the reason I, you know, I, I wanted to give something back to the AMA, I think it's a unique organization. It is really there to serve uh, the membership and to uh, promote the uh, sport of aero modeling, uh, which is something I was all in favor of doing. I thought I had some uh, some tools that I could bring uh, to the table and, and uh, add, to, add value to the process. And uh, I guess that's really the reason why I got involved with the AMA. Very cool, very cool. So what are the key responsibilities that, that district vice presidents have? What are the things that the AMA gives you to keep you busy? Well, uh, as a district vice president, uh, I am on the board of directors of the academy. So that uh, has a responsibility to attend our board meetings that are four times a year. We're going to have our uh, January meeting here uh, at the Expo on Sunday morning. The Academy is a nonprofit organization. We do have uh, staff in Indiana, and uh, the uh, staff takes their strategic direction from the uh, board of directors and uh, you know implements the uh, goals and tasks that the board thinks are appropriate mm -hmm. for, the, for the AMA to be pursuing. So, you know, that's a large part of my responsibility from a, an, a macro standpoint for the organization. Of course, uh, as District 10 Vice President, I am the elected uh, party for, the, really, it's the Southwestern United States. It's California, 
uh, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, Hawaii, and the territory of Guam. As, as the vice president, I appoint the associate vice presidents who are the, really the first point of contact for the modelers in their local areas. So, so that would be one of my duties. We also have, each district has uh, representatives on the various contest boards that take place, whether it's for precision aerobatics or some aspect of free flight or control line or safety. There are uh, appointments that I make to those uh, positions. You know, other than really being the, I guess, the, the point of contact for the people in the district, if, they're, if, they're, if they have, uh, you know, issues mm-hmm. that, that need some attention or elevation, I guess I'm the person that they would come to, and, and I, hopefully I'll be able to help them. Are there some specific issues that, that the AMA has you working on right now that people listening to this would be um, interested in? Well, you know, the AMA uh, does uh, a lot of its business through committees, members of the Executive Council, which make up uh, the uh, people on many of these committees. Right now we're in a, a period of transition between last year Dave Mathewson was our president, Dave accepted a uh, uh, paid position with the Mm -hmm. AMA. He's Mm -hmm. our executive director. He's in charge of the staff in Indiana. And Bob Brown is our newly elected uh, president. So uh, right at this point in time, the the committees are really uh, dormant. Uh Uh And uh, uh, Bob will be appointing uh, uh, new people to the committee. So right right now, you know, I, I anticipate having some position on some of these committees, right? But right now, I, I'm not. Uh, we, we none of us have any official capacity. Right Just now. in that that transitional period it is, it between is a, leaders. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm always uh, always interested in bringing whatever uh, you know information or experience I have uh, to help serve the community. Mm-hmm. Now, now the districts represent geographical areas. Do you have a sense of what the, the modeling demographics are within those districts? Are they fairly equal to or are some of the districts more heavily concentrated with modelers? Is there a sense, do you have a sense of that? Well, uh, I can tell you that our district is, uh, population-wise, is the largest district in the, in the AMA, District 10. Uh, we have about 23,000 members that are in the area I described earlier. Mm-hmm. I think the vast majority of our membership are, are what you would call a sport modeler, someone who is, uh, enjoys uh, flying uh, just for the sake of flying, mm-hmm. uh, really doesn't participate from a perspective of competition or uh, a record setting or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think uh, you know, that we have uh, a good distribution within our district of modelers, you know, northern and southern California, just because of their population. Their, their, their native population is the uh, majority of the, the people in the district. We have uh, large concentrations of active modelers, though, in uh, Arizona, really all of the states, Utah, Nevada, and Hawaii. So it's, uh, you know, and if I was trying to compare or contrast it to other districts, I'm, I, th- I think it's a pretty uniform uh, blend of, of interests, um, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that you've uh, spoken about and is on your bio and uh, on the AMA uh, or the District 10 website uh, is this idea of a Western flying site. Tell us a little bit about what your vision for that is. Jim, the, uh, the Academy has a, uh, 
a large presence in Muncie, Indiana. I think mm -hmm. as most people uh, know, there's approximately a thousand acres of property we, uh, for our uh, National Aero Modeling Center. And uh, it's a fantastic uh, asset. It's a wonderful uh, benefit uh, to the members. I have, I don't begrudge the academy for having it, but I just, I feel that it does not serve members in this district, in District 10 and probably District 11 also, mm -hmm. as well as it does members in some of the other districts. To that extent, I, uh, I, when I was running for office, I thought, you know, we ought to seriously consider development of a capital asset uh, here in the Western United States. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, there's, uh, I think, a good need for it. Uh, you know, we, uh, in the past, we've had, you know, our, our, our summertime championships, the Nats, used to rotate among different portions of the country. I thought it would be great if we could come back to a, uh, a format like that where we had a, a facility out here in the western United States so some of the, uh, some of the competitions could take place here. We could also uh, take advantage of, of the property to have some large fun fly type events that are uh, you know, similar to the Joe Nall event. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to see stuff like that develop out here in the western United States. Now, that being said, it's a it's a it's a you know it's a large challenge to acquire a uh, you know a suitable piece of property and develop it. So uh, we're in the uh, planning stages right now, being able to do that. Also, uh, at a point where we're looking to raise money uh, for the project. Uh, at our October board meeting, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to um, uh, persuade the executive council to uh, pass a motion. Uh, that uh, put aside a, a separate uh, accounting area of our accounting for the Western uh, U.S. flying site so that any uh, money that is donated that is earmarked for uh, that purpose, if a member wishes to uh, either uh, make a, a donation or, or arrange it through their estate, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that they could uh, rest assured that the money would be used for the purposes of planning construction and operation of that site it was um, you know it was uh, it was somewhat of a challenge to be frank with you of getting the board to uh, look at this in the way that I am that it, I, I think it's a long-term asset and I think they're beginning to understand that uh, you know we're looking for a we're looking for a facility that uh, that meets some basic criteria one you know first it has to be an all-weather facility something we can enjoy you know most of the year mm -hmm. because uh, you know just the same as a district 10 member can go to Muncie and enjoy that site we would you know have it open to members uh, outside of district 10 so maybe it, you know if you have an all-weather site and you're in somewhere maybe uh, Minnesota in the wintertime and then you would like to take a little vacation you can bring your models and you can come out and you can uh, you can uh, enjoy the uh, facility. Uh, that being said, I think it needs to be uh, near a, a convenient uh, transportation hub mm -hmm. so that people, if they're traveling some distance, they can come to it and, and, and readily enjoy it. Another, another aspect is it should have, you know, ancillary uh, things to do. In other words, you know, if you come A destination. To, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh -huh. So if you're, you're not just coming to some place in an isolated locale, it's going to be some place where you can, you can build a, a trip around it. You know, those are, are really the things that we're looking for. It's a lot, a big, uh, a big task, mm -hmm. but it's one I'm interested in pursuing. It's, it's, it's the uh, strategic or long-term task that, that is most important to me. And uh, we'll be working uh, as we go forward. 
uh, with the planning and fundraising for it. So uh, we'll see where it takes us. That's uh, interesting. It's certainly uh, there's a component to uh, if you're a national organization having a national presence. That would be one one possibility of, of being able to do that. I, I agree. I think uh, you know some some um, comments have been made. Well, why Western United States? Why not X? Mm-hmm. And I say, why not X? Go ahead. I'm I'm responsible for the Western. United States, the portion of District 10. I think it's important to me, uh, so I'm going to champion this. And if someone in another area, I think they have a legitimate reason to want to have it too. And you know, maybe we can go through a process and and find a a, a path that that works, and we can uh, take that as lessons learned and, and apply it in other areas. I I think it only adds value to the membership proposition that we we are providing to the to the AMA members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, one of the areas that has become very popular in the in the last several years, and you, and you see it out on the expo floor, I think, to a degree, with these small electric foam models, and that's this whole idea of, of park flying. You know, the, the AMA's put forth its uh, park flyer rules. It's got a park flyer license. Um, and has been working around trying to gain some traction in that community. What are your views about the, you know, the AMA's effort in that regard, and, and are there any other things that, that you know about that will be working to try to enlist that, that group of uh, modelers? Well, you know, I think the Park Pilot Program uh, is, is a good step. It's a good, uh, I think, a good idea. I'm a, a big proponent of when you're trying to market yourself and, and let's face it, if we're trying to draw people into the AMA, we're marketing a product. The product is the Academy of Model Aeronautics and, and the value it brings to you as a member. You don't have as much success if you tell someone who is, is over in one area, you must come over here you know, mm-hmm. to, to be part of our entity. We need to go over to where they are, engage them, get them uh, into the fold, and I think it's a natural progression if you start uh, at a uh, light wing loaded foam model like you're talking about uh, to uh, after you become proficient at that, you know, if, if your interests prevail, you're, you're going to say, well, let me take a look at this. Why, why, why are these guys uh, doing aerobatics and why are people uh, watching them do it and what are these scores they're getting? Now, maybe I ought to think about competition and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'll, maybe I'll be transitioning to this type of airplane or maybe... Uh, uh, you started off with a foam airplane, and uh, you see some uh, nitro-powered helicopters. And I think it's all about getting someone the initial commitment. I think that's the largest step, and then every step after that, I think, is incrementally smaller in bringing them into a uh, a more committed, I guess, committed is the right word, mm-hmm. uh, modeler to. Uh, to build the academy's uh, ranks, and so I, I know to some degree it's it's not been popular with some of our membership that we we reached out in that area. And I would just say to, to you know please take a look at it from the perspective of, okay, these people are already modeling, and they can model, you know, exterior to the AMA, and really not be a part of it, or we can we can try to entice them with. With, uh, with a product that is geared towards what they are currently doing mm-hmm. with a uh, transition path to go to a, a full, full-fledged, unreserved open membership. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's a good thing. 
I, and uh, I would defend it and, and continue to do so. Well, I think that, you know, as people start with some of those small foam models, and I've certainly talked with some of those people, the technology is so enticing that that's evolved. You know, you think about those little uh, thin wing stick type park flyers and, and now they're, you know, EPO foam and, and some of the vendors out on the floor have got 60 to 80 inch foam models, you know, and you go, holy smoke. There is that progression that goes along with that, isn't there? Yeah, and, and the discussions I've had with manufacturers are that these foam models are what the public wants. They are interested in them. They're relatively uh, easy and inexpensive to build and uh, operate. And uh, they, one of them, I think I, I, think I said, what's, uh, what's a good seller? He said, anything with foam in a box, I think was, <laughs> was, was the quote. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, you, the same thing I talked about earlier. You don't uh, stand over here and say, you know, if you want my product, you know, you have to come over and buy it in this form. Okay, if this is what you want, I'll make this. And by the way, we also have these other things. And, and uh, you know, when you're done uh, with, uh, with maybe this uh, intro level, uh, you might be interested in something that has got more options or more, mm -hmm. more advanced features. So uh, there's, there's no question. I mean, I was watching people walk out of the building yesterday. Person after person were having these profile-type foam models carrying them out to their cars. So I, I know they're a big seller, and, and I know people are enjoying them, and, and I think anything that gets people involved in the sport is a good thing. I hope you enjoyed the first part of my conversation with Lawrence. We're a little longer than this podcast is normally, so rather than list some of the upcoming events, I'll just encourage you to take a look at the calendars over at RC Universe or the events discussion at RC Groups. I'm headed to the Arizona Electric Festival at the end of January, so I'll report back on that, too. If you'd like a sense of what the expo was like, take a look at a short video overview I made and have posted to my YouTube channel. Search for AZGYM12. That's A-Z-J-I-M-1-2. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Flying Field Podcast. Links to the museum, a photo of my interview with Lawrence and my video can be found on the show notes for this episode, which is number 108. Until next time, happy modeling and fly safe.